All right, well, here this morning, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 8, if you'd like to turn there, as we look into this theme of uh, choosing faith, all right, being people who choose faith, and we're going to do this kind of in contrast with fear a little bit this morning. So where there is faith will be the title of this thought, and we'll get into that here momentarily, but uh, first, let's just talk about this phrase here for a minute, where there is, all right, so if you took off the word faith, where there is, is implying that something else is also going to be present. Right? So help me out here. Fill, fill in some of these blanks. Where there is a natural disaster, there will also be what? What was it? Help. Okay. What else? Despair. Is that what I heard? Okay. If you watch news this week and you've seen people who've seemingly lost everything in this world, at least that might matter to them, you see grief, you see unity, yeah, help, generosity, despair. I mean, there's lots of things you see there, right? So wherever this is present, you've also got a lot of other things going on. Now, what about poverty? Where there is poverty, you'll also find what? Crime. Okay? Despair again. Anger. Usually you find things like unemployment. Things of that nature. Right? right? So wherever this is present, then you've also got all these other things going on. Okay, let's get a little less heavy. What about um, where there is road construction? What will you find? Road rage, okay. Somebody else? A temper? No. What about delays? Right? Usually the sign is out there that says expect delays at this point forward. Um, I think police. Right? Sometimes in construction zones, a lot of times there's police there because they're just trying to protect the workers. Right? So where that's going on, you've also got all this stuff going on. All right, so let's throw out another one. Where there is retirement, there is what? <laughs> Woohoo! <laughs> Joy, okay. Fear? Time. Life is easier, okay? So you see where we're getting at, right? How about one more? Where there are friends. What else, what else will you find there? Love. Yeah. Fellowship. Comfort. Is that a party? <laughs> yeah, joy. So lots of things we could share there, right? So we're going to get into this thing of where there is faith. Where there's faith, there's also going to be some other things that should just naturally be present. And we're going to see sometimes we struggle with this, but hopefully we'll find kind of a how-to. How do we work through this to get to a place where we can exercise faith even in the midst of fear? All right, so Matthew 8, if you're there, we're going to read kind of uh, about five verses there this morning. Um, but just kind of the context prior to this, you've got Jesus being born, you've got uh, wise men looking for Christ. You've got young boys being killed. You've got Jesus being tested in the wilderness and calling His disciples. You've got Him healing and casting out every sickness and disease everywhere He goes. 
Then we've got the Sermon on the Mount there, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. And you see Him teaching with power and authority to His disciples. And then we get into Matthew 8. In Matthew 8, you'll find Him where He is healing a centurion's servant without being at that guy's house or beside him. You'll find Him curing a man's hand that was leprous. Um, bringing Peter's mother-in-law some health, returning back. So these are all the things that have just been going on in the mind and life of the disciples. And it's within that context that we get this story. Jesus is going to set out and He's going to cross the sea. And you know this story well, uh, but there's a couple things here that, that hit me that I just really hadn't, uh, maybe hadn't hit me that deep. Or one of these I'd never really even thought about before. So we'll work our way through this, Matthew 8, 23 to 27. So follow along either in your Bible or on the, on the wall today, okay? So speaking of Jesus, then he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. And suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat, but Jesus was sleeping. And the disciples went and woke him saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. And he replied, you have little faith. Why are you so afraid? And then he got up and he rebuked the winds and the waves and it was completely calm. And the men were amazed and they asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey Him. And so within these five verses, we'll find at least three things that are present where there is faith. Okay, so we're talking about having to choose to respond with faith in the midst of maybe a storm here. Uh, so to, we'll, we'll note three as we progress. All right, number one is this. To choose faith, be willing to question your fear. Be willing to question your fear. And this is something that I hadn't really thought about before. Be willing to ask the question, why am I afraid? What is there really to fear in this context? Why am I stressed, worried, just unable to rest? Rather than letting the moment dictate, ask the question. Uh, so, as we read the text here, we see how fear comes at us. So, how, how did the storm come upon the disciples? Did they see it coming on the horizon? No, in Matthew 8, there's a word there that says suddenly. Suddenly. And that's typically how storms come our direction, aren't they? Those things that cause us to panic. It's usually out of the blue. I wasn't anticipating that. Where did this come from? And all of a sudden, I'm overwhelmed with fear or worry, anger, emotion. It's just kind of taken hold of me. It comes on suddenly. So many of these guys are experienced fishermen. They would have looked to the sky before crossing a sea. So undoubtedly it looked clear to them as they get out there, they find themselves in trouble. Suddenly, they find themselves in trouble. You know, when I find myself suddenly afraid, I begin to have fear dominating the conversation in my head. And what that tries, fear tries to do is to describe what ultimate reality looks like for you. And what it looks like for me. So you have good reason to be afraid and this is why you should be afraid and when I'm there, panic sets in. Nothing speaks louder or more truer. And I find myself being dominated. Uh, and that's going on here in the disciples. All right? So these guys, their fear has set in. Panic has set in. It's starting to dominate them. And that's what's speaking truth to them. Okay? They're not thinking God. They're not thinking Jesus. They're panicked. Right? They're panicked. And so within the panic, what Jesus is going to teach here is question your fear. Right in the midst of it. Why, why am I letting this get to me? Why am I afraid? Now, sometimes we have a way of making things bigger than they should be. You ever done that? Never? 
You've heard the expression, right, making a mountain out of a molehill, okay? That's just over-exaggerating, making it a whole lot bigger than, than it should have been. Um, an example, could, how, many by, how, how many of you are afraid of spiders? Anybody? Okay, so imagine there's a little spider, you know, the size of a dime on your counter in your kitchen, and you grab your phone, and you kick down the door of your house, and you run outside while you're dialing 911 screaming about this spider. Is that an over-exaggeration? Okay. Have you ever jumped on a chair because you saw a mouse? Okay. Are you bigger than a mouse? Have you ever seen a mouse rear up on its back legs and like, Rah! no, they're scurrying away from us, and we jump and scream and holler, and we do all sorts of things because... Fear is dominating. We're not thinking clearly, right? So I see that spider. I'm afraid and I'm just panicking. I'm over-exaggerating the reality of that fear. Okay, I'm not saying your fear is not real. I'm just saying sometimes we've got to think with our head rather than the emotion. Now, let's contrast that with the disciples here. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, all three of these uh, Gospel authors tell this same story and each one adds something a little bit different to it, it makes sense as they're writing to different people. They're writing through their personality. When you get to Luke writing, Luke says the storm, storm came suddenly and the boat was swamped and they were in great danger. Have you ever been there? I'm in great danger. This is a legitimate fear. I should be afraid right now and I don't know what I'm going to do. And so it starts to set in and dominate the way that we think and the result is we start acting as someone who is terrified. So, for the disciples, this isn't a perceived fear. It's not an over-exaggeration. Okay? It's not just a few little drops coming. Uh, this is a serious storm that's going to cause some real headache for them. Uh, and so in the midst of this, Jesus is going to ask them, why are you afraid? And so let's go back and read it. All right? Here's what he's saying. You of little faith, why are you so afraid? And then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. Right, so for you and I, if we're ever going to be people who live by faith, we've got to be willing to ask the question, why am I afraid, rather than just let fear dominate? Okay? Why am I afraid to live alone? Why am I afraid to lose my job? Why am I afraid of this disease that's getting a hold of my body? Why am I afraid of what I see going on in this world? Why am I afraid at night? Why am I afraid to go to this part of town? Like, be willing to question your fear rather than just let your fear dominate. And in this, Jesus was going to teach them a valuable lesson about faith. Now, in this context, if this is legitimate fear and somebody comes up to us and says, why are you afraid? You almost want to smack them, don't you? What do you mean, why am I afraid? There's a spider on the counter. Don't you see it? Why aren't you panic like I am? Right? No, that's the over-exaggeration. What the disciples would say, just look at the sky. Jesus, why are we afraid? Look up. You see this storm? Don't you think they would have been okay if there would have been a break somewhere in the sky? If they would have saw that this was a temporary storm, they would have been okay. Right? These guys are out there and they're stuck. And they're terrified. Look at the sky. I would have to imagine that they would also be thinking, listen to the wind. You ever been in your house at night where you felt like it was going to blow away? I mean, the howling of the wind, and you look outside, and the trees are bending over, and lawn furniture is flying around. It's a little bit unnerving. Listen to the wind, Jesus. Look at the sky. Listen to the wind. Look at these waves. What do you mean, why am I afraid? 
It's said of the Sea of Galilee, it's like 13 miles long, 7 miles wide, and it kind of sits low. It's said there that these winds, when they come over that ridge, could create 20-foot waves on the Sea of Galilee. Don't you think a 20-foot wave and a little fishing boat would get your attention? What do you mean, why am I afraid? Jesus, there's as much water in the boat as there is outside the boat. Are you seriously asking us, why are we afraid? Just look around. Pay attention. I think that's how I would have been. Right? Fear dominating. I've been in a boat that I thought was going to sink, and it was scary, and it was in a lake that was 15 feet deep, and I can swim. And it's still the feeling of, oh no, what am I going to do? And so all these things are setting in on the disciples. Fear is starting to win the day. It's trying to create for them ultimate reality. This is what's really true. You should be afraid rather than responding with some sort of faith. Now, I like the sequence of Matthew's story. Mark and Luke tell this, that when the disciples questioned Jesus, Jesus got up, rebuked the wind and the waves, and went calm, and then He said to them, why are you afraid? In Matthew's story, when the disciples come along and say, we're about to drown, save us, Matthew says, first... Why are you afraid? Why are you afraid? And then he rebukes the wind and the waves and the sea goes calm. Now which is it? Is somebody lying? Lying? Say it that way. No. It could possibly be both. Jesus may have asked before, kind of like a pre-quiz, and then asked after, like a follow-up. Why are you afraid? Storm ceased? Now, seriously, what were you afraid of? Okay, So in my mind, I picture Jesus kind of leaning up on His arm. Where was He in the boat? So He's in the stern and He's sleeping. Okay, He's sleeping in the midst of all this. I just see Him kind of leaning up on His arm. What are you guys afraid of? Yeah, okay, I see the sky. I hear the wind. I see all this rain coming. I see the waves. I'm just as wet as you are inside this boat. Boys, what are you afraid of? What is it about this that's causing you to react in such a way? See, faith doesn't get tossed overboard when fear is present. Right? It should just be the opposite. Whenever there is the opportunity for fear, there's also the opportunity for faith. And so cast your fear overboard and put your faith in Christ. It's designed to bring confidence, isn't it? Where there's faith, there should be confidence. Where there's faith, there should be assurance. And where there's a lacking of those, there's a lacking in faith. It's not my words, it's the author of Hebrews. Now faith is what? It's confidence in what we hope for and it is assurance about what we do not see. For those whose faith is seated in Christ, there should be confidence and assurance in Christ. Where there's fear, there will be doubt and insecurity. So when I feel this welling up in me, if fear is trying to win the day and I'm beginning to doubt or be insecure, I need to swap my fear for my faith. Now, what I like here, Jesus doesn't condemn them. Right? He's, he's not saying you should never be afraid. He's saying in light of this fear, there should be a response of faith. And so I, he stands up then is what Matthew says, rebuke, rebukes the wind and the waves. It goes still. And according to Mark and Luke, he asks the question again, what are you afraid of? So faith is confidence. Faith is an assurance where there should be or may feel like there should be doubt and 
and security. And so what these guys needed to do was just question their fear. So the next time you find yourself afraid about something, question your fear. Like, what am I feeling? Okay, that may be true, but also, what is even truer than my feeling? Right? What's truer than my feeling? What are some things that I know even though I don't feel like it? Is God with me even though I'm alone? It's kind of an oxymoron statement, I guess. Yeah, for the follower of Christ, you're never alone. So though you may feel like you're alone, you're in this world by yourself, what's truth is, what's true is, you're not alone. And so will you let how you feel govern how you live, or will you let what you know govern how you live? If I feel a certain way, it's going to create doubts and insecurities. And Jesus says there should be faith, and where there is, there will be a confidence and, and an assurance. So was the danger real for the disciples? Yeah, very real danger. But what was also real for them was the power of Christ. Right? So don't overestimate the situation, but also don't underestimate your God. He's big in that situation. And He was proving that here to these disciples. They were about to see something that they had never seen. And that's going to get us into our second point today. But where there's faith, there is a willingness to question our fears. So I may need you to help me with that in my life. When I'm worried or I'm tense or I'm stressed, Pastor, what are you afraid of? What is it about your current situation that God cannot cure or fix or see you through? What is it that God cannot calm? What you're really thinking or feeling is that you think your God's not big enough. And so let me remind you of who your God is. Cast that fear aside and respond with faith. Be willing to question be willing to question your fear. Alright, secondly here, if we're going to choose faith on this stormy sea, when we do so, it's going to bring pleasure to Jesus. Now, as we read this story, you see that Jesus is disturbed. Right? Some translations say that He rebuked the disciples and then He rebuked the wind. So a rebuke is kind of a stern way of coming at someone. It's a correction. Right? So it's not just a little polite, there, 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 it's okay boys, what are you afraid of? He was really causing them to question their fear and question their faith in Him. And so he is, He's disturbed by, by these guys. But what is it that's disturbing Him? You ever been awakened from a good nap? Children running around, phone rings, you know, somebody has a car that sounds like a jet plane that comes to your neighborhood. Whenever they pull out in front of your house, they always vroom, 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 vroom. Not that I know that from experience. Whoever drives a gray car <laughs> sounds like a jet plane in front of my house. It'll wake you up. I mean, it shakes the house, right? So if you've been awakened from a good nap before, you don't wake up really excited. You're not just glad. You know, thank you for asking me a very unimportant question and ruining my nap. No. no. Thank you for telemarketer for calling me and waking me up from my nap. You know, Would you like to go on a cruise? No. I want to go back to sleep. Was Jesus disturbed because they woke Him up from His nap? Just a little bit cranky Jesus here? No. He's not cranky because they woke Him up. Was He disturbed because they're asking for help? Now, I'm sure you've never done that. Somebody who could help themselves and they come ask you for, for help? Why don't you just get it yourself? You don't need me to go get you a glass of ice water. 
right? You don't need me to read a book. Go ahead and do it. You don't need to ask my permission if you can have a snack. Go ahead and get it. You don't have to tell me that you're going somewhere. I'm napping. He's not disturbed because they're asking for help. Not at all. And the same thing is true today. So don't get the idea that Jesus is asleep at the wheel. All right? The people down in Houston, they're not down there going, man, I guess God fell asleep on us. Those people in Texas and Louisiana are struggling. I guess this text teaches that sometimes God sleeps. No, it doesn't. It's going to share with us here, lastly, what, why Jesus was sleeping. But what we see in this is that He's never asleep and He never worries. He's never disturbed because we ask for help. Okay? So regardless of what you're in, you can always ask for help. You can always ask Him to come to your aid. So what is the problem? And what's He disturbed about? He's disturbed because these disciples are demonstrating a lack of faith. And that's what's getting all over Him. So let's just backtrack. I called you to follow Me and you left everything and you did. And what Matthew tells us before the Sermon on the Mount, everywhere they went, they healed every disease. Every person who was paralyzed. They cast out every demon. You've seen Me do things that you'd never seen before. You saw Me with the man who had leprosy. You saw Me speak the word to this centurion. You heard that he was healed. You saw Me bring Peter's mother-in-law back to health. You've heard my teaching and your response is fear. And your fear is winning. He's disturbed by their lack of faith when they should have been trusting all along. So here again is what he says. Oh, we don't want to go there. Not severe weather. That was kind of ironic, isn't it? <laughs> Talking about stormy sea and we hit the button that says take cover for a severe storm. Uh, he replied, you have little faith. Why are you so afraid? Okay? You have little faith. And so what's disturbing him here is not being awakened. It's not being called out to. God loves for us to pray. It's the fact that they displayed faith. They lacked confidence and assurance. And so he's going to get up, rebuke the wind and the waves, and it's going to go completely calm. And so it's the disciples' faith that had him disturbed. And if the disciples had exercised faith, what would have happened, number one, is Jesus would have been pleased rather than disturbed, and then they could have overcome their situation by trusting rather than just calling out and crying out in panic and letting their fear win the day. And so as we choose faith, we're choosing to be governed by our God rather than our fear. And the end result or the main result is that Jesus is pleased. Do you know God is pleased with your faith? The same author who told us that faith is confidence and assurance is also going to tell us that without faith, it is impossible to what? It's impossible to please God. It's impossible to please God. So Jesus, again, He's disturbed because He's not pleased, because they're not responding with faith. It's impossible without faith to please God because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He exists and He rewards those who earnestly seek Him. So where there's faith, there's going to be a God who is pleased. And where there's faith, then I'm not going to be overwhelmed. Alright? You see these things happening here? Question your fear. Bringing pleasure to God. So it's just like I have a friend. If I have a friend, I have joy. I have love. I have acceptance. I have a shoulder to cry on. Where that's present, all this is true. Where there's faith, then there should be me questioning my fear. Why am I afraid? Nothing to be afraid of. Right? Nothing that should win the day in my life anyway. Uh, and then here we're talking about being people who are willing then to strive after the pleasure of Christ. That should be a present as well rather than disturbing. All right? So choose faith is going to bring pleasure. And then here last this morning, to choose faith is going to bring a calmness. 
to any situation. It brings calmness to any situation. And this is the picture of Jesus sleeping in the boat. It brings calmness to any situation. So here in our text, the disciples begin to understand that they had underestimated the power of Christ. They had seen Him exercise power over the body, right? Healing diseases and all that stuff. But they hadn't seen Him exercise power over nature. That's why the text is going to say, Matthew says they were amazed. Luke says they were afraid and amazed. Right? Is there a fear that's appropriate? There absolutely is a fear that is appropriate, right? Jesus teaches us, why are you afraid of what can't destroy your soul? Fear the one who can destroy both body and soul in hell, right? So there's an appropriate fear. Proverbs talks about the fear of the Lord. So there is an appropriate fear that's in reverence and awe and respect of who God is. But here, what we're seeing is that where there's faith, there's going to be a calmness that overrides my fear. And so once again, back here in verse 26, Jesus replies, you have little faith, why are you so afraid? Then He got up and He rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. Have you ever witnessed something like that in your life? I've been on a lot of lakes, been really rough, but I've never seen it just go glass. I've never just seen it go calm in a moment. Anybody? No. And so this is pretty unique to these disciples. This is their story. However, have you ever had a point in your life where you went from stress and fear to calm? And it was just like that. Like my, it's, it's gone. My situation has not changed whatsoever. And now there's a peace. It's just as chaotic. I still don't know what my next step is. But I've got faith that in this moment, my God's big enough for this. So I'll let Him handle it. Right? That's what's present where there is faith. There's a calmness that comes to a situation. So I need to start asking some questions in here as well. Like if nature will listen to God, why shouldn't we? I mean, don't you think if He can look at the waves and go be still, His Spirit can also go to you and just go be still. And we can be stilled. and We can be calmed. We can find our footing once again. Without a doubt. You know, some people say the Bible says don't be afraid 365 times. One for every day of the year. But it's true. God says it over and over again. From cover to cover, you'll find Him talking to all the people that we know by name, all their stories. Why are you afraid? He's asking them, don't be afraid. Be of good courage. Why are you afraid of this army? Why are you afraid to go in? Why are you afraid to be a father of many nations? Right? Why are you afraid to follow my battle plan? Question it. Where there's faith, there's going to be a calmness. and It's going to override my fear. Now, here's something to consider here as you think about Jesus in the boat. And this is just good for me. If, if Jesus is calm, then why am I not calm? If Jesus can sleep and rest in the storm, why am I struggling like to get my head above water? Why am I doing everything I can to bail water? I'm not saying there aren't things we can do at times, but why am I not calm? Why am I not at rest? I think that's a good picture. Just Jesus sleeping like a child, 
in the midst of a great storm. So I want you some point here this week, open your Bible and read through it. You can do that in a week's time, by the way. It takes like 60-some hours to read the Bible cover to cover. Just read the Gospels and read about Jesus and read in there where you see Him afraid. And think about God and where do you find God kind of shivering? And where do you maybe hear, metaphorically speaking, God's knees knocking together? Oh no, what are we going to do now? I don't know how to handle this situation. This is beyond me. I didn't anticipate this. I'm not sure what we're going to do now. You won't find any of that in there. So as his child, then why am I afraid? If he's at rest, if he's at peace, if he is calm, then why am I not? So if he's got this situation, if he's with me, he can work through all sorts of things. If he's at work, if he can do immeasurably more, if he can have rest in the storm, I know he can either grant me rest in the storm or he can give my storm a rest, which in turn will help me be at peace. But where there is faith, there should also be a calmness. And that calmness will come as you question your faith, as I question my faith, as I strive to bring pleasure to the Lord here by not being distracted or afraid of my situation. Even in the midst of chaos, He'll bring calmness to that situation. So there's a few things there that we've just tried to highlight out of Matthew 8. And I don't know what life looks like for you right now, but maybe you find yourself in the middle of a situation that's like a storm. Alright? What are you feeling? Go ahead and acknowledge it. Jesus didn't say, fear's not real. You may have every legitimate reason to be afraid. Just like Luke said, they were in great danger. That may be your reality. But will you be willing to question your fear now? Why am I afraid? If my God is for me, not against me, if my God is with me, if He's going to finish what He started, if He surrounds me, why am I afraid? And just start reminding yourself of things that are true. And what you'll begin to see is that fear dissipate. Faith takes hold. Confidence comes in. Assurance comes in. Calmness comes in. And God is pleased because His children are trusting that even in the midst of this storm, my God's big enough. He's got it covered. He's never asked me to stress. Wasn't it Paul who wrote, whenever you find yourself anxious, to pray, be thankful, Philippians 4. And when you pray and give thanks for what God is doing, then this peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard you. It'll guard your heart. It'll guard your mind in Christ Jesus. So where there is faith, these things are present. What I just want to ask you as we close is, is there faith? Do you have faith in your life right now? And maybe for you it's a sunshiny day in your life. Things are great. Are you prepared for the storm that's coming? Remember, they come up suddenly. And they can take us over suddenly. And they can begin to try to define what is really true for us suddenly. 
So here's a few things we can do if we're in it, or there are a few things that you and I can do to prepare for when we are in it. Because it's just a matter of time. Storms will come, but our God's good.